When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Marjorie Rothband back in the chair, and we've got one, two, three, four, uh, a studio full of guests with a bit of a cricket theme here. We've got ex Lancashire Surrey and current England over 50s pace man, Tony Murphy. Murph, nice to have you back. Nice to be back. Uh, we might talk about the West Indies. If we this, have to. If this was only a cricket podcast. Talking of cricket, one of the finest coaches this country has ever produced, Graham Reed. Welcome back. Thank you, Nigel. And with you, you brought your young son, Finlay. Finlay's back. Hi, Finlay. Hi. And finally, the great, the one and only, the man from All About Football, Joey Doherty. Joey, oh, how are you? Leave it out. I, I didn't ask them to put that. They, they clocked my email and thought that was it and... No, we, we, we can drop the why. Drop the why. Okay, we won't, we won't do that. There is only one place to start, gentlemen. Let's start with Raheem Sterling sending off, celebrating a 97th minute winner against Bournemouth. But before you do that, to give you time to think about it, here's a quick message from our sponsors. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Bet £5, get £20. If you deposit £5, Ladbrooks will add another £20 to your account. You can get this offer by following the link at bet.citypodcast.net. So, gents, let's please talk. Seven, 97th minute, Raheem Sterling, terrible, 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 awful disciplinary record Manchester City have this season. Two red cards in two games. We've got a problem, Joe. Terrible discipline problem, surely. We have, we have, and as, as much as my heart says it's a bit harsh and a bit petty to send him off for that, and... You know, maybe football really is dying if you can't celebrate with those away fans. The fact still remains it was technically a second yellow card and it probably would have been a lot safer had he gone over to uh, the dugout to celebrate. Oh, and just sort of shake their hand politely and said, how's that? He didn't, he shouldn't have jumped into the crowd like that. I mean, I know we probably all would have done that had we all got a last minute winner for City. But I don't think He's Gra- not in contravention of the rules. I don't think Graham Reid agrees with you. Well, he didn't jump into the crowd. They jumped into him. The reality is, had he scored in the 90, 87th minute, the police and the stewards hadn't gone there. Any away time you, you go and there's people near the pitch, they get stewards and then the police sometimes get overexcited and get near. So what happened is he ran to the fans and he had to get through the stewards and the police to get to them. Well, that's not his problem. He was on the field of play. And as they quite rightly pointed out on all the shows on Sunday, Charlie Daniels did the same thing. The only difference was there was no, he didn't have to get past any stewards or police to get to the fans. Uh, you've got to think of safety, though. Safety first. We've had well, problems. Get the police and the stewards out the way, then. Safety first. That's Aguero what saying, tried Murph. to do that. So, Murph, let's, let, come on, let's, let's have your sensible, considered, thoughtful views of this terrible incident. Yet another red card for a City player. It's all gone pear I'm very concerned in consistency here. Why weren't more of our players yellow carded? Because they all went in there. So why just choose one? And why, why do you think? I'm not a referee. Right. So you're, oh, you're, asking, you. oh, you're asking me then. So I'm, I'm throwing it back to the chair. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I, I mean, Joe's right, isn't he? Because technically, and, and according to the laws, um, he's put, put some people potentially in danger. Safety is an issue. You can't go into the crowd. And technically, he should be cautioned. But I think everybody, you know, it was where was it? Mike Dean Court, as it's now been renamed, doesn't it? Bournemouth Ground, is that what it's called? Mike Dean Court. <laughs> Do you like that? Do you like that, Graham? Uh, so, no, n- I, are we... Nodding doesn't work on that. No, it doesn't, doesn't quite well, work, does it? But... My, <laughs> say nothing. Exactly. Mike Dean Court, there he was. He, Lost he, he, he's kind of... He's not had a great game, has he? To be fair, we'll come no, on to it, the we'll come on to the fouls, and maybe he was you know concerned about the two sendings off that he should have should have it, put through. If you want me to be sensible for a second, then yes, he deserved it for what he did. Um, regardless of the stewards on the pitch, regardless of the police, he's a professional sportsman. He knows what the rules are. Yes, he's got carried away as everybody did, but they know the rules and they know what will happen if they contravene them. Mike Dean didn't do anything wrong in that instance. And I'm sure we'll get on to a few other ones. But in that instance, he's played it by the letter of the law. Sterling knows better. I'm sorry, if I'm the manager, I'm not very happy with my player there. But isn't this where... Although he did get me three points, so I'm not that bothered. Isn't this where what us referees call Law 18? There are only 17 laws in football, and Law 18 is the one of common sense. Surely, Graham, in that situation, 97th minute, as you said, you know, the, it was more the, the stewards and the police not controlling the crowd properly that got, that, got in the booking. Had he actually jumped over the barrier into the crowd, quite rightly, let's see him sent off, yeah. for running to the edge of the barrier like probably 75% of people doing celebrating goals then we're going to get in a farcical situation where people will be booked every time there's a goal scored. And I think you're quite right, Nigel. Law 18, whatever that is, as a referee you are, uh, would have seen common sense. The standard of refereeing in general uh, has been appalling this year. Um, <clears throat> and to think, I mean, I, 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 we, we stayed up for the City-Everton game because obviously it's his holiday. And we met in the hotel because of City being the team they are these days. Someone that had travelled, funny enough, from uh, from Israel. We met somebody that was travelling all the way from Paul in Dorset. You know, keen City fans. A lot of money people are paying uh, to watch very good footballers. And we are getting basically the, the worst refereeing standard. I bring back Gordon Taylor and all those guys. What was his name? All those years. Jack Taylor, should I say. I mean, it's just appalling. I mean, I don't want to make refereeing dominate, but I think following this game and following Mike Dean's performance, it clearly is is a big factor and something we've got to talk about, at least to start with. But what's the answer? I mean, we've got, as we've said many times, you know, 35 cameras at every game. It's slowed down from every angle. We get the opportunity to see it numerous times to then be able to comment on it. It didn't used to be like that. And I... I Part of me says the reason you talk about those great referees is because we couldn't we could never really question their decisions. It was kind of one camera in a sort of fuzzy black and white set that you saw the highlights of. To be fair, yep. now it's a totally different situation. Joe, is is it what we're we going to do? We're going to have substitutes if they're not performing well, bringing on a, a substitute ref. I mean, where where are we going to go with this? There's, there's, as I've said many times, there's, there's enough refs out there already. We can't have any more, surely. I honestly can't see what we can do with it. I think. We bring in video replays. A lot of decisions, even when lots of people have seen several replays, are very subjective. So I don't think that's going to really change anything. I think the best we can do to prevent some bad decisions is what we're already doing a bit with the ins and outs, the absolute facts, like goal line technology. But I don't know. It's frustrating as fans, but there is no doubt that you were saying if we didn't see it from all these angles, which when you go to the game, you don't. When you 
listened to it back in the day, you wouldn't have seen it. It's just because we're shown all these things that make us angry. But we've got to remember that the referees are only human. They see it once. I think the standard has been poor, but I don't see what else we can do about it. Well, what's the answer, Murph? I, th- I think we'll all agree it's not been a great start to the season. Some poor standards that Graham talks about. Do you, do you have a kind of a quick fix answer? I don't think there is a quick fix. I, I know we're on opposite sides of the video technology debate. Um, I think that's got more legs to go. And on your side of it, they do need to get that right. They need to know how they can utilise that better. Uh, as has been said by all the panel, we have the technology there. We don't know how to use it. Is Let's there any, learn how to use it. Anything you've thought of, Graham, in terms of a bit of technology we could use now that you've kind of sat there and thought in your conversations with Finlay on your way back from games, actually they could bring this in, which actually would improve things? Well, uh, yeah, I think we probably both do, don't we? Finlay, have, yeah. you, have, you got, have you got a view then in terms of what you think we um, could do? I've possibly thought of an idea of, a, like, as in cricket, you get a review, so every time that, the uh, team thought that the referee had a wrong decision you could get like two or three reviews every game and um, you could review it they go to the video decision and then make a reconsider their decision again if the team feel and that's on anything on a foul on offside on penalties it's kind of you kind of get two reviews on on anything you like like tennis as well yeah like that like a challenge yeah anything really okay I mean, there's no question it's going to come in in some form, isn't it? And I think uh, there's different things. It works in rugby as well, and rugby's the sport they do in that it's most similar to football in terms of the pace of the game and the style of the game, and it's managed to work there. All right, well, listen, I'm sure we're going to revisit this. Can can we talk about a couple of other incidents that we talk about referees still? And that's kind of the the Gabriel Jesus, a couple of fouls, wasn't there? was the kind of the trip when he seemed to be through and didn't seem to be any covering defenders. And then there was a pretty horrendous sort of tackle as well that seemed to kind of chop him off at the knees as well. Do you want to pick up either of those, Murph, and sort of talk us through those without slagging off Mr. Dean too much? No, no, slag slag off Mr. Dean. I won't mention Mr. Dean. I'll... I'll go back to the media because the media is what we're using, but the media is also what a lot of people base their thought process on. Um, watching the match back in the evening on the Gary Lineker show, it was interesting to see that that tackle wasn't even shown. And yet for me, that was the worst element of the whole match. Hear, hear. Ditto. And when they were questioned on it, I, I did hear somebody on the radio or read it somewhere in, on a tweet or something, they said, you know, obviously we have editing to do and uh, we can't f- put everything in the whole sort of uh, the whole 90 minutes. And they edited it and out. And just, just to, to back up Murph there, it's a great point. On the actual show, the first comment made was how unlucky were Bournemouth. Hmm. Uh, which surprise, they, surprise. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. So they went into that in great detail. They didn't actually touch on the sending off, which was obviously a sending off. Bournemouth wouldn't have been unlucky had the sending off in the 30-something minute happened, which is what they needed to point out. Of course they weren't unlucky. Had the guy been sent off, we won 3 or 4-0, they'd be talking wax lyrical about Manchester City. Unfortunately, with BBC and Match of the Day, they seem to have a whole new agenda. And Shearer's about as bad as anyone. I think that... uh Credit. Right, firstly, I would like. I think that credit has to be given to Bournemouth because compared to the way they've played us before, they've always been very naive. They've tried to play us our own game. I mean, we've had a five-one and two-four nils against them in the in the four games of the previous two seasons. And this game, they've really tightened up and given us a game, and it was a lot harder than we've ever played them. So, whilst I agree that was a red card, and you can't really say unlucky without taking all into account, I do think a lot of credit's got to be given to Eddie Howe, um, and. You were saying about like uh, 
if he'd been on the pitch, we might have won three or four. To be honest, in terms of looking forward and looking at potentially winning the league this year, it's those sort of games where the refereeing decisions don't go your way and you still pull through that make me optimistic. I mean, the, that red lot down in Stretford can give it all that now. They haven't played anyone difficult yet. They've walked through games. You know, it's back in the day, they'd win the league not playing the best football, but they'd win games like that. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite glad in a way that neither of the decisions... Can we just talk about Sergio as well, just finally, before we move on, we'll actually talk about the game a bit more as well in terms of his role. Because at one point, of course, he was, there was a steward saying that uh, he was guilty of striking him and there was an assault. And then suddenly Bournemouth came out with this statement that said, actually, a misunderstanding has happened, uh, which is always, uh, in other words, the lying bastard has actually owned up and said, as oh, she was on camera, and I realised that I didn't do anything wrong. Any, any thoughts on that? Or do you think Bournemouth have covered themselves in glory and dealt with it okay? Or... I think that I'll go back to him as a professional sportsman. He shouldn't have got involved. Why was he holding a policeman's helmet at the end of the day? Well, I think he saw a City fan who was there merely to celebrate. He went in to... Let me answer your question first. A City fan who'd gone to celebrate, who'd been grabbed round the neck by one steward and two others had got him by both of his arms. Potentially, he saw it as a total overreaction, and he went there really just to calm it down and say, "Come on, lads, you know, understand what's happened here. We've just equalised in the ninety-seventh minute, and here's your helmet back." That's all he was doing, wasn't it? Surely. I'm saying it. It depends how you want to spin it. So, yes. how, you got a different spin on it then, Murph? No, no, no. I'm saying that he's left himself open by doing that. Unfortunately, mm. it's the media again, as we've talked about. You know, they will show what they want to show. And unfortunately, professional sportsmen can't do Twitter, they can't do anything these days without it being double-checked and everything because somebody will interpret it wrong and the next thing you know, it's all over the press and all over everything. Can we talk about Sterling, who has not necessarily had the best press? Uh, some sections of the City fans were maybe sort of giving a bit of a hard time. Um, your thoughts, Graham, about him? He's obviously scored two very important goals in two, two games. I obviously haven't done this podcast for a while, but way back when... Um, I'm quite a fan of Sterling for various reasons. He's not absolute top quality. And obviously with people like Silver around, uh, David mainly, obviously, um, his technique at times leaves a lot to be desired, as does his final ball. But as Everton showed last week, he's very direct. And if you're if you're played football in any capacity and you're a defender and someone runs at you with the ball... It's um, sometimes it's easier to let them play in front of you than it is. And, and he does cause chaos at times. Um, he wins a lot of penalties, which he doesn't get last season, I thought. Um, particularly early on in the season, he looked quite good. So I like Sterling. Having said that, if you ask me Sterling or Sanchez, if I, I'd like them both. But if you gave me the choice, um, Sanchez is class apart. We'll, we'll come totally on to that, agree. obviously. We'll come on to that. Your thoughts on Sterling, Joe, this season in particular? I, and just before you say that, sort of pre-season, he had a very good pre-season as well, of course. And is that has he taken that forward into this league season now and, and shouldn't be underestimated and maybe should be given a bit of a run in the side? Yeah, and I agree with Graham. I think that his technique does sometimes leave a lot to be desired. But he's coming off the bench. He came off the bench against Everton. He's popping up with important goals. And I think that certainly if this Sanchez thing is true and he comes in... It's possible he won't start many games, but I think he's a very important squad player to have in the side. He's certainly, you know, last 20, 20, 30 minutes, teams are going to be tiring. What's the last thing you want, especially if you're really working hard and holding on to a lead or a point, is some quick player like Sterling like sprinting at you for the last half hour. That's the last thing you want. Murph, I put it out there and asked people um, prior to the show on Twitter asking what they wanted us to talk about. 
and and one of our contributors, one of our followers, said, "Is Pep tinkering too much?" Was the question that uh, that we've been asked to discuss on, on this week's show? So, is Pep tinkering too much? Three at the back, four at the back, changing it too much, or is that just simply rotation and what he has to do? I think Pep's looking forward to how many games we're going to play this year? Fifty, something in that region. If you've got fifty games. I'll pick on Joe's point about uh, squad players. I don't see Sterling as a squad player, no more than anyone else being a squad player. Um, I think with that many games, he's got to know that Sterling will be starting so many games, the same way that if we get Sanchez, he will, the same way that Sane will, the same way De Bruyne will. There won't be many players we've got who are going to feature it all the way through. Mm. Probably the keeper, but... That's always the exception in these cases. So is he tinkering? Potentially, but I think he's looking at every opposition we're playing. He knows that the first two or three games we've played, they're not going to give us anything. They're just going to park the bus. So how's he going to get through them? Pep, the tinker man, Graham. Um, yeah, a little bit. He, he tries to be a little bit too smart. I heard somebody say on the uh, television this weekend that, um, that the lad who manages Man United keeps football simple. And Pep sometimes overcomplicates it, is in danger of overcomplicating it. Um, we went, I know it's the end of the season, but we went to the last three or four games last year. They played some super stuff and the lad on the left wing looked really good. Um, and so that was four, whatever it was, four, yeah, yeah, three, two, whatever. So you got the two wide men. And at Watford, who obviously didn't turn up at all, we had Jesus on the right and he had uh, Sane on the left. And they looked a really good side with Silva and De Bruyne. And uh, Yaya passing the ball. They looked a good side. So we turned... I know they didn't pre-season, but you can never tell pre-season. Real Madrid top them. They're not the real teams. Um, and then we suddenly turn up with three at the back and we look very disjointed against Brighton. The lad who played left, and he's good down at Danilo, looked a good player, but he can't kick with his left foot, which is always a slight problem when you <laughs> get the ball on the left wing after the game. And, and to see Sane play, playing against Everton at left back at times, and obviously the goal, um, that seems slightly overcomplicated to me. All right, I totally agree. I think we need to, uh, and I think in other games, not so much, not just the formation. I feel like the way we go about playing football and scoring goals, we seem to overcomplicate it a bit. You know, I'd agree with that. What was it? Was it against Everton? Aguero's through, and he has to take that extra touch, and you're just screaming, "Just hit it!" You know, it's it's a bit. I saw. I sometimes felt under other managers, maybe we weren't playing as good football, but when we got chances, we were a bit more clinical, perhaps, and. Maybe that's something that Pep needs to work on a bit. Well, with that in mind, before we uh, take a break, I just want to, and we'll talk about the transfer window, and we've talked about one or two players who, who might well feature in that. And I want to look forward to Europe as well and the game against Liverpool. So we've got a bit more to discuss. Before we do that, question for you, Joe, and you'll understand why I'm asking this question. Mm-hmm. Coming from behind to win in the past two games, is that two lucky wins or the mark of champions? Someone's been reading my articles. Um, I would say... Uh, Everton was a bit lucky we really didn't I don't think we looked very good against Everton for long periods whereas against Bournemouth I did sort of feel like it was always on the horizon we were dominating the game and I think Bournemouth was I just look at the teams that have won the league well recently you look at Chelsea have done it a couple of times you look at I know we don't like Torban but Ferguson's United they would have got at least four points from those two games as well 
I suppose I'm not worried too much about the detail of those particular games, the tactics. I think it's that general question after just a couple of games. Oh, if we're getting the points, then it's the mark of champions. Is it? Because we're going to have a better Let me me, I know you wrote the article, so anybody wants to see it, it's uh, under All About Football. At Joe Doherty 21 as well. Exactly. Joey Doherty wrote that. Uh, So, Murph, mark of champions or is it a couple of lucky wins? I think we're lucky. To be honest, we, I'll pick up on your earlier point. We're too wasteful in front. And I think that's what Pep's said since he first came. You know, we've always looked at defenders in the chat before as being the issue and the back four. He always turns around and says, my strikers aren't scoring any of the goals. I do agree with that, to be fair. A lot of the time last season, we just weren't. Are, are you excited this season? Do you see us as being potential champions here? Or are you still, you're still too many, too many... No, I, d- I think we've got every chance. I think they've got some great players and some of the football is exhilarating. I, d- I don't agree about the Everton game. I thought second half they were terrific with 10 men. Absolutely terrific. I mean, Everton are a half-decent side and I imagine they'll come in the top six or seven. Um, and second half with 10 men, I thought he got it tactically absolutely spot on. Uh, Four, four at the back with the two full-backs. I, I, I thought it was excellent. Um, they, I agree with the first half. I agree with Joe in the first half. They were. That's probably the only poor bit I've seen this year. Um, they're still they're still getting it together. They've got to decide how they're going to go about it. But there's every chance of them doing really well this year. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's take a quick break and we'll be straight back after this. The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrooks. Uh, welcome back. Let's talk transfer window. We have just mentioned earlier on in the show about Alexis Sanchez. Uh, lots of talk. There's no smoke without fire. Is it going to be 30 million? Is it going to be 50 million? Is it going to involve one of our players, two of our players? Who wants to kick off on this? Graham, give us your view on uh, on Sanchez. And I guess it's going to happen, isn't it? It sounds very likely now as time goes on. Well, it certainly sounds like it, uh, whether they get a deal done uh, by tomorrow night. And he's obviously playing for Chile, I think, tomorrow night as well. So whether they get a deal done, you'd guess they will, the way these things go. Um, but they might have to pay, like they did with Walker, I suspect, well over the odds. Whether that makes much difference to them, I don't know. Um, but it'd be a great acquisition, no question. And you said, Murph, about sort of being one of our problems missing chances he would actually add a different dimension wouldn't he because he's a real finisher isn't he and scores some goals he would be handy to have wouldn't he sort of player you'd like to see in a sky blue shirt absolutely yeah get him in there and I think it'll happen it's just a number you know what have Arsenal got to gain by keeping him he's 11 months left in his contract so he's out of there anyway and they'll get nothing for him then all they're waiting for is a figure and I can guarantee pretty much with 24 hours from now that figure will be done somewhere in Chile there'll be half the Mancunian lawyers that are of any relevance that will be uh, getting a signature and do you think potentially there might be a City player going back the other way no why why on earth would Pep want to do that he's building the team and the squad he wants he's not going to let anyone go I don't think he is no I think that uh, I suppose they could have Bonnie if they really wanted him but um, going back to Swansea isn't he yeah it looks like it but no, I, I can't see anyone going the other way. Certainly not Sterling after the way he's been playing recently. He's only 22, isn't he, Sterling? Yeah. we'd so, be mad to get rid yeah. of Sterling for a 28-year-old. Obviously, I agree with what you were saying earlier, Graham. I think Sanchez is a lot better than Sterling. But maybe we, we, how embarrassing would it be if five years' time Sanchez is retired and Sterling's you know, one of the best players Arsenal have got? 
what does that mean for someone like Aguero? Let's say the Sanchez move goes through. Let's say Sterling stays. We've obviously strengthened in that area as well. What, what does that mean for, for Aguero? Um, could he be knocking on the door and saying, January, it's probably time for me to go? Is that a realistic possibility? I heard rumours of that because he was dropped for the Bournemouth game, one could argue. Others say rested. Why, but why would you get rid of the most potent striker in the Premiership? He wouldn't. But he, All he, you're doing is adding extra quality. And I'm sorry, we, we had this discussion last year with, with Jesus coming in. I don't see it at all. I, I, a bit like uh, we think Sanchez's deal we've done, there's always a feeling in the press that these sort of things. A bit like Aguero, if you read deeply, there's obviously a problem between Pep and Aguero as a relationship. Um, and some players, and maybe Aguero is one of them, I, I don't know, think they automatically should be playing at least 90% of the games. And you always get the feeling with Aguero, he doesn't want to sit on the bench uh, unless he's had a hard European night or something. Um, I suspect that's going to be a problem in the long run. Um, and I think that Pep ultimately doesn't fancy him that much. It's, I thought he was terrific last year, Aguero, despite what people thought when he came back after the suspensions and injuries. He ran further. I think all the stats said he ran further. And I, although he didn't score quite as many goals, I thought he's best, best, best he's played in a while. Um, and I was looking forward to seeing him. I was hoping they'd play 4-3-3 with Aguero and, and Jesus on the right. But... Obviously, they haven't. He's tried to fit them both in. If I'm reading you right, Graham, you're kind of leaning to saying you wouldn't be surprised then if January comes and Aguero's... I certainly... You know, I'll be amazed if he's here come the first game of next season. Yeah. Amazed. I think he'll be... Uh, as I say, I think the biggest problem is I'm not sure Pep absolutely loves him. Yeah. So I'm sure he wants to keep him because he's obviously got great quality and he has tried to fit them both in. But I think you can clearly see that maybe that's not going to work as it did in the first half against Everton. And I think that he would... The little fella's going to run further. Whether he'd be of the same quality, I don't know. I have no idea yet. But I suspect he might be in the long run. Mm. I mean, we've talked in previous shows this year about kind of what's missing. We've clearly invested. We've got a fantastic squad. We've, we've, we've got improvements in lots of different areas. We're more youthful than we were. Um, but we've talked about maybe another striker, and that might well be resolved with a Sanchez signing. We've also talked about defensively as well, and another centre-back, because we're not convinced by Otamendi. Company's fitness record isn't brilliant. And the name of Mr Johnny Evans has been sort of linked quite strongly to the club. Um, you could argue he's an international footballer, he's won the Premier League, um, he's 29, OK, but he's got lots of experience and the sort of player who could potentially, certainly if we're playing three at the back, slot in very easily into that back three and would probably pit Otamendi to a place. So I'm not sure why he's getting quite the sort of bad press he is by lots of people. I think it would be quite a decent signing, potentially, myself. I mean, look, I think that we need to forget about the team he used to play for, for one, because I think that's really you know, pressing home some people's prejudices about but, him. But we've had, you know, Dennis Law, we've had, you know, lots of people over the years. Carlos Peter, Tevez Carlos, bad. Exactly. Mr. I was going on to him, precisely. He played for them, didn't he, as well? He was all right for us, wasn't he? One of the best. You liked him. Think, so, that shouldn't be a problem, should it? Once well, they it put blue be, shot I think on. when City fans think of Johnny Evans, we think of the 6-1, so that isn't good. But my opinion is, is that Fergie played him Mourinho regrets United getting rid of them. Wenger and Pep Guardiola want him. If those four people rate him, that's good enough for me. And you've got to look at West Brom as well. Tony Pulis has turned them into a really solid defensive side and he's found his feet there and I think he's ready to move on to a bigger and better things again. 
I certainly wouldn't have a problem with us signing Johnny Evans. Thirty million's a big price tag for a twenty-nine-year-old, isn't it? Or not nowadays? Coming to City, would you? Who would cares what money is these days? I've lost track of it completely. I've Sorry. no idea what anyone's worth anymore. But as a player, I think he'd fit in very well with us. He's good with his feet. What's not to like, to be honest? All right, and then sort of we're coming to the end of the transfer window, as we know. I'm not sure why it doesn't finish before. The, I'm sure there's a good reason for it. Why doesn't it finish before the season starts? Anybody know the answer to that question? To ruin Arsenal. Is that what it is? It's just to bring Arsenal. I have no idea. I don't never quite no, understand that. It would make, just, would make logical sense to me to have a situation where the transfer window closes, then the season starts. Just get on with it. Probably because the, it's the 31st of August in every country in Europe and the world at, yeah. at the same time, more or less, give or take a few hours. Whereas seasons start at different times. Like, imagine th- like we start the Premier League season, we think our squad's set, but say La Liga starts a week later and Real Madrid come in sniffing mm. around and buy one of our players. Okay. I'm sure you're right. You always are, Joey. You know, you know, the, you know your stuff all about football. Joey Doherty. Um, we, can we should talk, talk about a couple going the other way as well? I mentioned Bonnie quickly. Sounds as though it's, he's probably going to go back to Swansea, which was always probably the favoured move for him. Big fan of Bonnie, I know. Did you, do you ever like... Do you, what was your view of, of Bonnie Finley? Was he ever ever a player that excited you particularly or not a big Useless. fan? Useless. Don't sit on the fence. Tell us what you really think here. Never like Bonnie, ever. No, I think um, our style of play doesn't suit him because obviously he was at uh, Swansea and he's a big lad, strong, and crossing it into the box and getting a lot of poachers' goals is not how we play, but... He's obviously suited Swansea, so I think if you put him back at Swansea, I imagine he'll score a lot of goals again. I just don't think it was ever going to work out because of the style of football that we play. And while we're with you, what about Delph as well? It's been talked about Delph potentially uh, going to Stoke. I mean, he's probably one of those players that's going to go somewhere, isn't he? But uh, he's Stokes, not. he's not going to. Is that, is the that, move's apparently off. Oh, is that off? Hearing. Okay. And right. he wants to stay and fight for his place. Yeah. Oh, well. I hope he does. Anyway, I rate Delph. You always liked him. Yeah. All right, um, you heard it here first. Joe Doherty likes Delph. Have heard of any other rumours or, or <laughs> any rumours about anybody else going or coming or before we move off from the transfer window? We will know in the next 24 hours or so anyway. Any Mangala? Going, going where? Anywhere, to please. Milan, yeah. no, Is he not? No, it's off. Oh, yeah. He no, first. No, they, um, they're off. It, it went off um, because... They were looking at Mustafi from Arsenal and Mangala, but they can't con- uh, agree a deal. I don't think I read this morning anyway. Okay, okay very good. Um, fantastic. Let's move on to Europe um, very, very quickly because uh, I think we've got uh, a decent group for once. Um, you're, you're a big traveller in Europe, Graham? I'm a big traveller in Europe, and that's the only sad news. It's fantastic considering all the other draws we've had. Um, although Napoli, I think, are going to be a really good side. I looked up their record from last year. They weren't, weren't far from Juventus, even though they came third. Are you going to Napoli? I'm not going to Napoli. I'm not going to um, Shakhtar. Why, why would that uh, be? Why would you not be going to Shakhtar? For well, Shakhtar have had to move the ground because they're in a war zone. <laughs> yeah. so any, thought, any other reason? I thought you know? that might be a good reason not to go. Well, and Napoli, I think a City fan got stabbed there last time they went yeah. and I think generally listening to some other teams that have been there it's um, not really a good place to be going because you might just get found out I am going to Holland mind you and now I found out that's not meant to be that pleasant either so <laughs> wish me luck is the answer fire, I think it's either fire or Ajax they had to build two separate ways to the stadium from the train station is it fire yeah it yeah Make sure you go through the right one. Yeah. So what's your thought of the group, Joe? I mean, listen, it's compared with, as oh. I said before, being serious for a moment, pretty good, you could argue. Uh, we should Well, I'd be hopefully... disappointed if we don't go through. Yeah. As winners? 
I, I think that we should probably win it. I wouldn't. Uh, Napoli could pip us, but no, I think we probably. I would if you offered me, uh, you know, winning all the home games, winning one away and drawing two. I'd, I'd bite your hand off, and I think that'd be enough to win us the group. Napoli are something like eighth favourites to win it or ninth favourites. I looked up something ridiculous like that. Mm. They're only fifty to one with all the, which I know sounds a lot, but once you get through the the big three, I think we're eleven or twelve to one. So. You know, there there'd be a good side. I don't think there'd be any question, and those two will qualify. But it's where we ideally could be coming. Having said that, pot two was was stronger than pot one for once. Mm. So we got the best pot. We did. And, and played any cricket in Holland? Because uh, just yeah, go back to yeah. our cricket thing. Played a few games out there in the Hague. Yeah, quite they enjoyed that. They're keen. They're keen, aren't they? The, the Dutch are on the cricket. Are they? Oh yeah. Yeah, very keen. Mind you, I found out Van der Bile was it not? No. Yeah, there's a few of them like that. Vander all sorts they are. Vander who? But can I just go back to our Champions League group? If um, <laughs> <laughs> if you like, yeah. Quickly changing the subject. <laughs> Thank God. If we don't think we're going to win that group, do we really got any ambitions of winning the Champions League? Surely. Well, I think we should win the group. We should, we should, I, I, we should. If we no, can't walk no that group, yeah. then why think are we, we the thinking group? we could yeah. win it? Yeah, I think we should win that group. I think, you know, oh, yeah, I think we, we should. should. You know, two, two or three seasons on from when we first got serious, Pep's second season, all that stuff, the strength, the strength and squad we've got, you know, with Alexis in the side, yeah, we, we should be winning that group. Absolutely, we should be winning that group. Oh, yeah, we should be. I'm just saying that it's not out of the question that Napoli will pip us. Well, if they do, we're in trouble. <laughs> They'll become, we'll well, come, we'll come we across stronger them, teams in the later rounds. rounds. We beat them 1-0 at home and then they do us 2 or 3-0 away. I mean, well, yeah. it certainly shouldn't happen, like, but... Listen, I before be we go, let, let, let's quickly look forward to Liverpool. Finley, uh, I want your view, please, uh, on Liverpool, what you've seen of them so far this season, your kind of your thoughts and reflections. It's what, Saturday, it's the early kickoff, I think, isn't it? 12.30 on the Saturday. We've got the international break first and then obviously it's a bit of a while. But just looking forward, Finley, your thoughts on Liverpool and, and how they're going to maybe set up and what sort of start they've had to the season? Well, I think they're quite similar to us. They're good attacking, got a lot of pace in their team, um, but aren't great at the back. So I think it will be a very exciting game because we'll both be, it'll be end-to-end and, um, yeah, I think we might just beat them because uh, our defence is a bit better, but it'll be certainly very attacking and an exciting game to watch. OK, Graham, your, your reflections on Liverpool before we go? Uh, I haven't seen much of them. I saw the Watford game and they were appalling. Um, I saw only highlights on Sunday uh, and they looked very good and I like the way they drew Arsenal on and then obviously hit them with these two wide men. Uh, I'd like to see what Salah's like against a really good side. Um, But they're showing good signs and that's without Coutinho. And finally, Murph and and Joey, your thoughts on on the Liverpool game and maybe a prediction from you two as well? Um, Three in the first half. And then we'll ease that, off in the second. Sendings off or goals? <laughs> uh, depends if Dean's in charge. We're not sure if he is. We're not sure he's in charge yet. Well, I, I always worry about Liverpool because I feel like what's the opposite of a flat track bully? That's that is Liverpool. You know, they they complete bottle jobs when it comes to your Burnleys and your Watfords, but they come up against City or Arsenal or Chelsea. It's always their cup final, and they always give us a game, and it really winds me up that they get these results and still finish sixth. But in terms of from our point of view. I worry about the game. I'll take a draw. All right. Well, listen, huge thanks to Graham and Finley Reid, to Tony Murphy and to Joey Doherty. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production.
The Man City Show is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Sports Social Podcast Network.